Welcome to the MPC Podcast. I am Tim W. Gill, pastor of Medora Pentecostal Church, and I'm thrilled that you've joined us today. Here at MPC, we are committed to bringing hope and building lives. One way we do that is through this podcast. Thank you for listening, for sharing and reviewing what we do here. It is our desire to connect with you, and you can find us on Facebook, or you can find us at our website, medorachurch.com. It is our prayer that today's message inspires you, encourages you, and that the kingdom of God is advanced in your life. Let's get right to the word of the Lord today. I'm thankful for the move of God we felt this morning in this service. Pastor said it so well in our pre-service meeting. We have a schedule that we like to keep to. But that's option B. Option A is what happened this morning. And let God just have His way. And I'm believing that option A is going to happen again tonight. That God's just going to have His way in this house this evening. I was so moved last week. Brother Chris mentioned it when we had Missionary Azar with us here. And he stated a question in the middle of his wonderful sermon that pricked my heart. If we could ask Cain what he thought and what his opinion was now, could you imagine what his answer would be? If you could ask people who have sinned and walked away from God and died and went to a sinner's hell, if you could ask them that question, what do you think their answer could be? There is a world that is dying and going to a sinner's hell. But thanks be to God that we have hope beyond this world. You and I have the only answer given to man that we can go to, that we can be saved. Are you thankful that we have a word that we're not destined for hell, but we can live in eternity with Him? How many know it's our duty to go after them, to go after those souls that are dying? It's our God-given right to go after them to give them the gospel, to give them this message. Matthew chapter 9 and verse 37. This is Jesus talking. Then saith He unto His disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest that He will send forth laborers into His harvest. Pray ye therefore for the Lord of the harvest that He will send the laborers. Everybody say, He will send the laborers. I want to preach on this topic this evening if you allow me a few moments on a laborer's faith. We're going to be talking about faith tonight. Would you put down your Bibles? Let's lift up every hand, every eye closed. I pray that God would have His way with us tonight. God, I pray that Your Word would not fall on deaf ears this evening. God, I pray that Your Word would fall on good ground. Come on, church, if you're ready to be a laborer, won't you let Him know right now? Say, God, send me. Come on, church, let's lift our voices right now. Let's lift it unto Him. There is a world that needs you. There is a world that needs me right now to step up and be the laborer. So, God, I pray You would send us. One more time, would you clap your hands unto the Lord as you're seated this evening. 
In Matthew chapter 9, verses 37 and 38, what we just read, the prayer was never directed towards the harvest. I want to kind of pop your bubble right now, but I searched the Scriptures. I searched in preparation for this sermon. I could find no Scripture that Jesus said, pray for the harvest. Pray for the harvest. Jesus told Matthew, write it down, the harvest is not the thing to pray for because the harvest has already been supplied. The harvest is already there. But He told Matthew, write it down, pray for the laborers. Pray for the laborers. Somebody say, pray for the laborers. John would write in chapter 4 and verses 35, We made it our mantra here in this 37 days of consecration for this year. Say not ye, there are yet four months, and then cometh the harvest. Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields, for they are white already to harvest. What is Jesus saying there to the disciples? We want to look at the harvest that's right here in front of us. We're saying, God, plant it right here in front of my feet. Put it right here in front of me. I'm so worried about what's right here in front of what's going on in front of me. But Jesus said, if you could get yourself out of your own situation, look ahead for what is in front of you. Because what you're praying for right here, if you would just look up, it's already there. He said, the harvest is not budding. The harvest is not growing. No, Jesus would say, the harvest is white and ready for the picking. I've come to tell somebody tonight, what we're praying for is not the harvest. Because the harvest is already there. Medora is already here. Brownstown, Salem, and Seymour and Bedford are already there. What we need to pray for is for the laborers to stand up and say, I am ready to go. Are there any laborers in the room tonight? Are there any laborers willing to go to do the work of the Lord? Both times here in the passages I read in Matthew 9 and John chapter 4, it is Jesus speaking to the disciples. It is Jesus saying these words. It was Jesus talking to them. Look in the Scriptures and you will find it was Emmanuel, God with us, speaking to His followers. When He told the disciples to pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers, little did they know that the God of the harvest was the one speaking it to them. Why? It's because He was giving the game plan to revival. The revival that we've been looking for, the revival we've been praying for is not in the harvest. It is in the laborers that will go and reap the harvest. Come on, somebody. I'm praying that we would get a hold of this tonight. I'm praying it be down deep inside of us that we need to pray that God make me a laborer. Make me a laborer. I wonder if we have not seen the revival that God has been setting us up for and God is preparing us for because we've been focusing so much on the harvest. We've been spending all of our prayer consumed with the harvest. But God said, the harvest is ready now, but where are the laborers? Where are the ones that are willing to grab the sickle and say, I'm ready to work, God? Where are the ones saying, God, here I am, send 
sending me. He's not looking for people to say, pray for the harvest, send the souls. No, the souls are out there. The souls are waiting. The souls are ready. But are we ready? Are we ready to go and be laborers? Come on, I want to preach to NBC on a personal level right now. There has been a community that we have prayed for for 110 years. There has been a community that we have fasted for for 110 years. But God is saying it's time to take the focus off the harvest and put it on the laborers because now is the time. Get your gloves on and get your boots on because it's time to go to work for the harvest that's already out there. Somebody say the harvest is out there. I've come with the same question for MPC tonight. Where are the laborers? Where are the laborers? I wonder for just a moment if we can pray within ourselves and say, God, am I a laborer? God, am I truly a laborer? Come on, let's take a moment to pray. Would you lift your hands right now and say, God, am I a laborer? Am I one who's willing to do what you have called me to do? Am I doing what you have ordained me to do? Or am I just sitting idly by while the harvest is waiting? And I'm not going, God. Come on, let's lift our voices right now. God, where are the laborers? Where are the laborers? Where are the ones willing to put everything aside? Where are the ones willing to give it all away? Where are the laborers? Where are the ones willing to put in the work? And I'm not just talking about literal work. I'm not talking about actually grabbing something with your hands. How many know that it's not a natural harvest? We're not going out with these implements and farming. But the harvest is spiritual. It's a spiritual harvest that we're sowing and reaping. But I'm talking about the ones who are ready to get to work spiritually. Where are the ones ready to go to work for the kingdom? Where are the ones willing to teach Bible studies? Where are the ones willing to go to their job tomorrow and say, God, send me to my mission field and make me a laborer? Where are the ones that will say when I go to school tomorrow, God, I am in my mission field. Make me a laborer. Let me know that I am in the harvest field and it's time to go to work laborers where are the laborers where are the laborers where are the ones willing to push everything aside for the work of the kingdom like Abraham did he said God I don't know where you're sending me but as long as I follow you I know I'll be alright where are the ones willing to give up everything for the kingdom mission where are the ones willing to say God take me as I am and use me for your glory where are the ones willing to go to great depths I know we could be like the apostle Paul he wrote majority of the New Testament in prison who are the ones willing to say I'm willing to be persecuted for the labor that I can do for the kingdom if you've got to send me to prison then send me God Amen. I'm not asking those who are willing to be seat warmers but I'm wondering where are the soul winners because if we are not willing to be a church of soul winners, then we need to give up our seat for someone who is and let the church grow as God ordained it to grow. If we are not seeking out souls, then what are we doing here? If we are not seeking out the lost, then what did Jesus die for? Because if Medora Pentecostal Church sits here and does not go after souls, then the crucifixion was for nothing. 
I would to God that we would get this in our hearts and our minds tonight. We have a mission from God. Each and every one of us. I know we like to say, well, I'm not a preacher, so I don't know how to teach a Bible study. Or, well, I don't talk very well, and so I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to walk up to somebody and bring them to church. But I would to tell you, God will supply you with everything you need. God will be there to help you in the harvest. In Matthew, he asks, where are they? In Mark, he gave the command known as the Great Commission. In Luke, he asks and cries out again that the laborers are few. And here in John chapter 4, where we have found our vision statement for this year, we find Jesus then becomes the fulfillment of what he's been crying out for when he meets with the woman at the well. He said, I know that the laborers are few. And while I'm on this earth for 33 years, I'm going to do everything everything I can to tell them that I love them, to tell them that I'm here for them, to tell them I'm preparing a place for them, to tell them I want to live with them for all of eternity. I may have created them way back in the beginning, but I want them to know that I love them and I want to get back with them. So this raises the question for me. What is hindering the laborers? What is hindering the laborers from raising up? What is stopping the laborers? I believe it can be found in the book of Isaiah in the 6th chapter. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 1, it reads, In the year that King Uzziah died. In that year that King Uzziah died. Uzziah broken down in the Hebrew means my strength. He was my strength, Isaiah writes. Uzziah was known as a mighty king and he was a great tactician in battle. He was a victorious king. He would send Israel into battle and he would win many victories for them. He was a man of power and of strength. So we can read the beginning verse in this way, in the year that my strength died. In the year that my strength died, the people and even Isaiah would depend on Uzziah as their king. They had peace with Uzziah because they knew he could handle all of their situations. He went before them in battle. Uzziah would protect them. Uzziah took care of the people, looked throughout Scripture, and Uzziah was known to do right before the Lord. And the people were fine with following him. And then he dies. All of a sudden, there's no scripture that says why he died, when he died, how he died. It just says he died. And Isaiah is left and he says, in the year that my strength died. In the year that my comfort died. In the year that my foundation died. In the year in my humility died. Let me speak it plainly with you if I can. I have put my faith into people only to be let down. I have put my faith into men and my trust into men only for them to leave and walk away and I fell short. Has anybody felt that before? You put your faith in what you thought was a sure foundation only for it to be ripped away from you. But let me remind someone here tonight. Let me talk to a laborer here. Isaiah did not end it there because yes, it was the year my strength died. Yes, 
it was the year when my strength was gone. But no longer can I ride on the coattails of anyone else. No longer can I ride on the coattails of someone else's strength. But I want to ask you this question. When Uzziah died, where was God? Where was God? Where was he? Let me tell you, it was the same place he was in Genesis chapter 1, and it's the same place he's going to be at the end of all eternity. Where was he? Isaiah would read it like this in the year I saw my strength die. I saw the Lord sitting on the throne. I want you to know something. When you feel weak and all alone, when all your strength has left you and you don't know what to do next, I want you to know that he's still sitting on the throne. He's still sitting on the throne when you have no one to talk to and he's still sitting on the throne when you're being attacked he's still sitting on the throne can somebody worship him because he's still on the throne when we're not seeing the revival we think we ought to see he's still on the throne when the bible study doesn't go our way and, and they quit and they want to walk away from us he's still on the throne when we're baptizing people and when we're not, He's still on the throne. When we're going out winning souls or if we come out dry, He's still sitting on the throne. If we save every soul in this community, He's sitting on the throne. But if we save only one other person, He's still sitting on the throne. Let me tell you something. It doesn't matter what we go through in this world. I've read the end of the book and it tells us persecution's coming for people like you and me. But I want you to know through it all, He's still sitting on the throne. I don't care what happens in Washington in D.C. I don't care what kind of junk Hollywood starts putting out. I want you to know he's still sitting on the throne. I want you to know he's still got the victory. And at the end of the day, heaven is going to be way more full than hell could ever imagine it to be. The Bible says that hell is opening up wider and wider, but we've never found a limit to heaven because God is still on the throne. Aren't you glad to know that no matter the circumstance, He still sits on the throne. In my hurt and in my worry, He's on the throne. In my pain and in my loss, He's on the throne. When I feel the strength in my body or the year it leaves me and dies, He's still on the throne. I can no longer rest on someone like Uzziah. I can't rest on him anymore because he's dead and gone. Let me tell you, church, you cannot rest on the spiritual works of man. Aren't you thankful for our leadership like Pastor and Bishop Walls and Pastor Dylan, but you cannot rest on their work. You've got to go and do the work yourself. Amen. You've got to go to your mission field. Yeah. You've got to go to your field of harvest. Some of us need a new revelation, whether there's laborers in the field or there's not. He's on the throne, whether I'm on the mountaintop or I'm in the middle of my lowest valley. He is still on the throne. The first step in becoming a true laborer is knowing where your strength truly comes from. Man can lift me up every day. Man can raise me up and I can be on the highest mountain. But one day every man is going to pass away. But let me tell you about the one thing that shall never pass away. And that's the glory and the goodness of God. God will stand for all of eternity. So I know where my strength comes from. It comes from Him. It comes from Him. 
Your strength doesn't come from a 10-step program. Your strength doesn't come from good music. Aren't you thankful for our worship team? Your strength does not come from a music team that's all in line. Your strength does not come from just another good, a good Sunday service. Your strength does not come from an AA meeting. Your strength does not come from this next get-over-addiction thing. Your, your strength does not come from man. My strength comes from the one who sits on the throne from all of eternity. When a true laborer gets this in his understanding, it doesn't matter if the field came up dry just this time. I've got the strength to know I can continue on. Why? Because my strength does not come from man. My strength does not come from this world. My strength comes from the one who told me the harvest is ready for me. The harvest is waiting for me. That's why I'm just going to grab my shovel and I'm just going to keep on a digging. When I don't feel like I'm getting enough done, when I don't know what my next step is, I can have the strength to know I've got to keep going because in Him I will see revival. In Him I will see the goodness of God. In Him I will see it come to pass. Somebody worship Him for just a couple moments right now. Come on, I wonder if we could just lift our voices one more time. Come on, we need to pray just for right now. We need to get a hold of this in our hearts and our minds right now. We need to get a hold of God for just a moment. Come on and lift your voices in this house this evening. Come on, church, this has to be burning on the inside of us. We're walking into the last days. We don't have time to be paying patty cake anymore with their souls. There is a community that is crying out for God and we are the ones to go and show them who He is. My strength comes from the God of all creation. When they crucified Him over 2,000 years ago, they laid His body in a tomb, but while He sat on the cross and while He sat in a tomb, He was also on the throne in heaven. I want to tell you something, that it doesn't matter what's going on. If you want to be an effective laborer, I have to know when I'm in my field, I'm not coming by the strength of men. I'm not coming for the glory of men. I'm not coming for the adoration of men. But I am being empowered by the very same God that rose up out of the grave three days later and is alive evermore. I am empowered by the very same God that when He speaks, even death, hell, and the grave have to obey. I want you to know something. When you go to work tomorrow or when you go to school tomorrow and you feel inclined by God to speak to someone or to talk to them about salvation or to pray for them, you go do it. Because I'll say it like Bishop Walls always says, the first voice you hear is always God. The second voice is going to be the enemy to contradict what was just said. You need to go and know I am empowered by God. God to be here and do his work. I may not be called to a pulpit, but I'm called to a mission field. I may not be called to be a Sunday school teacher, but I'm called to my job. I'm called to be a lighthouse in this dark world. Why does it seem like we aren't hearing about as many miracles anymore? Why does it seem like 
all of the olden days, we talk about stories of my grandpa going to revivals and you're seeing crutches piled up six feet high or you're seeing wheelchairs piled up and you're seeing the dead raised. Why does it seem like we're not witnessing that anymore? Perhaps we have been satisfied with Uzziah leading us when there is a greater authority waiting for us to tap into. What if we're waiting? What if God's just sitting there waiting, saying, if you'll just get a hold of me, you cannot handle what I'm about to give you if you'll get your faith out of man and back in me I'll show you what I can do praise God praise God Isaiah where are you now where are you now where are you Isaiah could you imagine it's the same question God spoke over Adam after they sinned where are you Adam where are you God is crying out to this generation where are you I wonder if there's a church that says, here we are. Here we are, God. Here we are. We're standing here, Lord. We're standing here. But what I find very interesting is the reaction Isaiah had whenever he sees the Lord in this manner. When he sees this unfold before him. In verse number 5 of Isaiah chapter 6, Then said I, Woe is me! There's an exclamation point. Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. First, we see Isaiah, he had faith, but in the wrong place. The faith that was in man should have been on God, and now he sees God in this fashion, and Isaiah is hit with a word we don't like to hear anymore. Conviction. This generation needs a convicted church of laborers. I've not been doing enough, church. I've not been doing enough. I know we can look in our hearts and say that. I've not been doing what I could be doing for God. I've not been laboring like I should have. Pastor talked about it a little bit this morning. You ever work with somebody that you know they're just pulling half weight? There's days I felt like I've been pulling halfway for God. What have I been doing? That's when you feel like Isaiah that says, when I see His goodness and I see His strength, woe is me because I am unclean. All right. A true laborer needs to know that we're still carnal. We are still flesh and bone. You and I are just trying to do our best to fulfill our Heavenly Father's will on this earth in this time until He returns. But the Lord made an angel take a fire from off of the altar. He took a fire off of the altar and He placed it on the lips of Isaiah. Aren't you thankful? That in the times when I can tell God, woe is me, I am unclean, I'm dirty, my rags are dirty, that He still says, you're worth it, just come to the altar. There's a fire waiting for you that can purge your sins. There's a fire... There's a fire on these altars that can cleanse every sin that you've ever committed. He can wipe it all away. Aren't you thankful for the altars that change your life? What was God doing in that moment? He was qualifying the called. He said, you're right, Isaiah. You are a man of unclean lips. You are in the middle of unclean territory. I've got to purge that out of you. But He can purge it out of you. 
How many are thankful that these altars still have the Holy Ghost fire on them? I know it's just wood and carpet and two by fours and all of this, but it's what they represent. It's what they symbolize. It's a place we can go in our direst moments, in our lowest times, and find God at His most minute point. We can find Him. Aren't you glad that I can come to these altars and my life be changed forever? That every sin I ever committed can be laid on these altars and I never have to pick them up again. Aren't you thankful? Come on, aren't you thankful that God can place the fire of cleansing on your life and change it all? We are to be a church that is on fire. Charles Spurgeon would say it best when he said, Jehovah, who is the consuming fire, can only fitly be served by those who are on fire, whether they be angels or men. I want God to know I'm a laborer and I'm on fire for you. I've got it on the inside of me. Why do we need to be a laborer? Because I have the conviction to know if I'm not, who's going to do it for me? Who's going to go to my mission? field for me who's going to do the work for me that's when God said I'm placing something on the inside of you prophet Jeremiah would say it like this it's a fire shut up in my bones I can't contain it I can't control it when I go to my work tomorrow when I go to school tomorrow I've got to grab the laborers tools and get to work are there any laborers in the house Yes, sir. I want to tell somebody tonight, a true laborer is someone who is on fire for God. I can think of no other scripture than that of what Jeremiah said when he said, it's a fire in me, but not one I can hide. We like to come to services like what this happened this morning and what God has planned for us tonight. And we say, yeah, God, I'm going to grab my tool and I'm going to go to work tomorrow and I'm going to save the lost. But then tomorrow comes and we're, whew, it's a little awkward talking to people about God. But God, they're, they're very much different than I am. How do I even start this conversation? God, how do I tell them that they're going to hell and they need to change their ways? How do I do that, God? So I'm just not going to say anything because I don't want to hurt their feelings. But Jeremiah said, that fire is not one you can hide. That fire is not one that you can put away on Monday morning. That fire is not one that by Friday you can just forget about it. On Sunday, pick it up again. No, he said, it's a fire that shut up in my bones that I can't help but tell somebody about it. But I can't help but do something about it. i got to tell somebody about Jesus because he changed me my life come on church let's worship him right now let's lift him up right now he still sits on the throne and with all authority I can be empowered by him and through him he can use me and I know I need a fire on the inside that drives me to the harvest but what God is wanting this church to know it's time we kick it into high gear it's time we get ready we talked about it for far too long it's time to get the gloves on it's time to pick yourself up by the bootstraps and say I'm ready to get to work I'm ready to do the work God I don't matter how dirty it is God it doesn't matter how stinky it is I would to God that this church would always smell like weed I would to God that this church would always smell like alcohol why because we're doing the work of the harvest we're doing the work of God we're doing his will we are living in the last days it's time we stand on the road to hell redirecting traffic and make heaven crowded 
But Isaiah did not stop there because once the fire was placed on his lips and they were made clean by God, look at what happens next. In Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? The God of all creation. The same God that hung the moon and the stars and the sun. The same God that wrapped all of this up. That made it nice and perfect in every way. The same God who robed Himself in flesh and died for all of humanity. The same God who was creating heaven. He looked at humanity and said, Who will go for me? Who is going to help me? Aren't you thankful we serve a God who is not a dictator and forces us to do His will, but He gave us free will so it could be a choice by you and me to serve Him and to love Him. Why? Because He first loved me. But He's sitting there asking Medora Pentecostal Church, who is going to go for me? I know I had my faith in the wrong place. I know I had unclean lips. I know my rags were dirty. I know I don't measure up. I know, I know, I know I'm a sinner. I know I'm surrounded by sin. But since I had a moment with God at an altar, He called me and now He's equipping me to say, when God asked who shall He send, I would to God that NPC said, here we are. Send me, God. Send me. Send me to Medora. Send me to Jackson County. Send me to Washington County out of this church there's a family that said send me to Russia there's a family that's saying send me to Honduras they're saying send me send me send me send me God send me Lord send me here I am use me God use me for your glory use me for your will we need a fresh revelation from the Holy Ghost is this we need to have some faith in ourselves to look God in the face and say here I am send me Come on, let's lift our voices right now. We need to pray right now. We need to pray right now. Come on, lift up your voices right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, right now. There's somebody who's watching on the live stream right now. We need to pray for them. God, get a hold of them. God, get a hold of them. Because you died for them. You loved them, Jesus. You've got somebody on your mind right now. A lost loved one. A a neighbor, a co-worker that needs God. That needs to get right with God. Maybe you're thinking of a prodigal who walked away. You need to pray for them right now. Saying, God, send me to them. God, send me to them. If you're not going to send me, then send a messenger to them right now. God, send a messenger and let them know. Hallelujah, Jesus. There are those of us in here who have hindered yourself because you have been disqualifying yourself when God has already set you free. I think, well, what can I do? I'm just a lowly mill worker. What can I do in this community? What can I do? I'm not smart. 
I've only graduated high school. I don't have a college diploma. I don't have all of these degrees. I don't have all of this money. What can I do? I have an awful past. I have a terrible past. Who am I to tell somebody that they need to get right with God? Somebody in here tonight has been disqualifying yourself for far too long. God's saying, I set you free for a reason. I set you free for a reason. I gave you deliverance for a reason. I died on a cross for a reason. And that was so that ancient every one of us as the church can go out into this world and save this world from a sinner's hell. There are those of us who have been disqualifying yourselves and there are those of us in here that need to redirect our faith back to the one who sits on the throne with all authority. But it's time we put enough faith in ourselves to know I have the strength to carry on. I'm talking about a laborer's faith right now. Let me speak plainly to someone here tonight. Let me speak. Can I speak in the Holy Ghost right now? You have disqualified yourself for far too long, but it's time you tell yourself, I'm sent by God to be here. I was ordained by God to be here. If he did not want me here, I would not be breathing today. But God created each and every one of you for a purpose and for a will. He has a plan for you. Don't let Satan talk you out of the kingdom. Don't let Satan talk you out of his will. Don't let Satan redirect your faith. Come on, I feel that in the Holy Ghost right now. Some of you have been talking down to yourself because you don't feel like you're worth it. You don't feel like you can do it. Don't disqualify yourself. God said, I set you free on this altar for a reason so that you could go out. I qualified you when no one else would. I set you free when nothing else could. Why? Because you have a purpose. You have a reason. Somebody needs to know you have a purpose in the kingdom. You have a reason to be here. God sent you so it's time to get back in the field. It's time to get back on the mission. Get your mind off of the battle, Isaiah. No, I know your Isaiah was mighty. I know he was strength, but you and I are living in a time that the battle is already won. Listen, I know the Bible speaks of all of these great battles that was spoken. All of these great battles that had to be fought with swords and with spears. But I want to tell you, I read the back of the book. The battle is already over. The battle is already won. It's just time for us to gather up the tools and go reap the harvest to go get the spoils of the war that was already waged in heaven. It's time for us to be ready and go with the tools that God has given us to go have victory in our community, to go have victory in our families, to go have victory on our jobs, to go have victory in our schools. Come on, I'm preaching to somebody today. You've been disqualifying yourself for far too long. God's saying it's time. Pick yourself up and get to work. God is not calling this church to have the faith of a warrior. He's not calling this church to have the faith of someone in battle. No, he's wondering if we have the faith of a laborer to say, I'm willing to do the work no matter the cost. Rain, snow, sleet, or shine. God, I'm going for you. God, here I am. Send me. He's calling this church to have the laborer's faith. Because when Isaiah gave his answer to God, God didn't say, well, wait a minute. You need to come to church for a while before I send you. Wait a minute. You need to go through this 12-step program before I send you. 
Now, wait a minute. i got to make sure that you've got all your ducks in a row before I send you. But when Isaiah said, here I am, send me. God said one word initially. And that word was go. That's all I need to know. The Lord would say, as long as you're willing, as long as you've got the strength, you've got the tenacity, and you've got the faith in me, and you've got the faith in yourself, then go. Then go. Go reach this world. Go look for the lost and dying. Well, you need to go because God told you to. We need to have some faith on the inside that reminds us just exactly who we are. We ordained by God to go and save this world. We are sent by God. We are sent by the one who tears down strongholds. And if we have faith in Him to tear them down, can we have the same faith to be used by Him? My question is, we have faith in the message, but do we have faith in myself to be the messenger? I know this word is true. I know that this word is pure in all its ways. But do I have enough faith in myself to say I've got the strength to pursue the word and do it in my community? Do I have faith in myself? I'm not talking about pride tonight. I'm talking about faith in yourself to know whether it's snowing. I'm going out for the harvest. Whether the seed doesn't look like it's coming up right now. I still got to go out for the harvest. Whether it doesn't look good right now. I still got to go for the harvest. If the wind's blowing, I still got to go to the harvest. When it seems all dead and gone, I still got to go to the harvest. When it looks like this community is just suffering with hopelessness and drug abuse I still gotta go to the harvest I still gotta go when my family has walked away from God and it looks like they're never coming back I still gotta go to the harvest I still gotta invite them to church I still gotta teach Bible studies I still have to go Am I preaching to myself tonight? Am I preaching to a church that can't hear me right now? I'm preaching to the church of the last days I'm preaching to the church before he returns My grandpa once said it like this, sin has many tools, but a lie is the handle that fits them all. It's a powerful statement. But if I can, I would like to add to that. God has even more tools, and all you need is faith to grab each one of them. Faith is the handle to each tool that God has ordained for this generation in this time. Do we have a church full of faith right now? Do we have a church that says, I have the faith to do the work. I have the faith to go out. I have the faith to be like Isaiah and tell the Lord, send me. Will you all stand all over this house right now? Music be ready to come. The enemy would come to you some days and try to disqualify you with no authority to do so. He would bring up your past. He would bring up past addictions, past hurts. He would say, you are unclean. Your life is unclean. Your lips are unclean. But God has purged that from you with the fire from these altars. I don't know about you, but I've come too far to not do the work now. I've come too far to not go to the harvest. I've come too far to not be sent by God. 
I want to tell somebody you need to have enough faith in yourself to know what God is planned for you in your life. First Peter 2 and 9, but you're a chosen generation. God said, I chose you. You are royal priesthood in a holy nation. John 15 and 16, ye have not chosen me. This is Jesus talking. You didn't choose me. But what did he say next? I have chosen you and ordained you that you should go. When you start having the faith of a laborer and you start seeing things differently and you know and you point it out. Pastor Josh Wilson states it so plainly. He said, when God gave me a passion for souls, I was in Africa. He said, we were in a nice part of Africa, but then just walking down the street, I saw a little six by six shack, probably no bigger than our drum cage. And I saw a man who was tattered with a beard and he just looked rough. And he said, I felt the Lord speak to me and said, I died for him too. We think the other side of the tracks is too far gone. But God is wanting this church to know I died for them too. I died for you and I died for them. They need to know me just like you do. They need to know me just like we do. I wonder if there's a church who's feeling the calling right now. Who's feeling the burden. If you're feeling that within yourself, would you come to these altars right now? The devil says about you, I want you to know it shouldn't phase you anymore. You need to say, I know who I am. I know I'm called by God. I'm called, I'm God ordained. I need to go. Come on, somebody put this in your heart right now. Come on, lift your hands right now. There needs to be a burden for souls. Not just a likening for souls. Not just a want to for souls, but it's got to be on the inside. We are living in the last days. Who are we to hold back the gospel from each and every person? Who are we to hold back the love that God has for them? Who are we to hold back this truth that we hold so dear? Who are we to hold it back? Come on, church, lift up your voices right now. Come on, let's begin to pray right now. Lift your voices all across this room. If we don't have a burden for souls, then we're just wasting our time. We need to get our priorities back in order. We need to get our minds back in order. Come on, church, let's begin to pray right now. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Jesus. God, send the laborers right now. God, send the laborers right now. The same chapter that we use for our vision statement, I'm going to say this and I'm going to get out of the way. The same chapter we use for this vision statement for this year. After Jesus speaks of the four months until the harvest, but the harvest is white and ready, he says this in John chapter 4 and verses 37 and 38. And herein is that saying true. One soweth and another shall reap. I sent you to reap that whereon ye bestowed no labor. Other men labor and ye are entered into their labor. This church is working on 110 years we've been in this community. 110 years we've prayed for revival. 
110 years we fasted and sought for revival. Yearning for revival, people have died and gone on. Never seen the fullest potential that God has for this church. But if you allow me, this generation is going to step into this greatest revival. Why? Because there's been 110 years of people sowing into this community. There's been 110 years of them sowing into Medora and into Brownstown. 110 years we've sowed. It's time NPC begin to reap what our ancestors sow. It's time that we begin to reap what people like Gene Weinecker sowed in or Brother Shepherd sowed in. It's time for us to reap it. Come on, church. I would that we grab onto that right now. Thank you for listening to the MPC podcast. We trust that today's message has inspired you, encouraged you, and strengthened you in the Lord. We would like to invite you to join us again by simply subscribing to our podcast, and we encourage you to write a review if it has been a blessing to you. Again, you can find us at medorachurch.com to learn more about our ministry.